Good morning, everyone. Those of you that are not familiar with me yet, I am Pastor Zach. I am the Director of Young Adults Ministry here at Lakeview Wesleyan Church. Um, And I am grateful, as always, to have this opportunity to uh, share with you from the Word today. Um, We're going to begin right off uh, with some scripture. If God is king, he gets to speak first, right? So um, let's go uh, to our first slide, and I'd like to read over you Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man, I hope that. (laughs) Anybody been in a time of need? (laughs) We're not going to raise hands. We're not going to poll because I think we could probably get a pretty dense sample there. But we're here in our Amazing Grace series. And grace, according to the scripture, seems to be the answer to uh, what we need in our time of need. And I want us to uh, grasp something very critical about what grace is is. Now, we could chuck words like grace around here and there. We say grace before our meal, and we sing amazing grace, but um, it's not worth that much if we're not careful. So just as Lenny helped us grasp last week what grace does, it offers you a mulligan It offers you a new beginning. It offers you a rescue, a start over. I want us today, through the Word, to grasp what grace is worth. How expensive is grace? And I want to begin with an object lesson. Uh, As most of you know, um, if you know me fairly well, I am a purveyor of comic books. And, shocker, right? <laughs> and I wanted to show you some of my collection today um, so the other comic book collectors in the room may recognize these. I actually see where some of you are, <laughs> okay? Um, so this is uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number 700. Um, I'm pretty proud to have this one in my collection. Um, actually, most of these I bought off of you, Todd. <laughs> um, but Amazing Spider-Man number seven. Um, this one's kind of hard to come by in really good condition anymore. And something in this condition is about a you know, $20 bill to a $50 bill sometimes. Just depends on uh, how it's treated. Um, some, some of my uh, comic book folks in here might recognize this one. Ryan, what's this one? Secret, Secret Wars number eight. First appearance of the black suit. Right, right, right. But you can tell where the comic book geeks are in here, right? But this is, this is Secret Wars number eight, okay? Well, a really cool piece of, uh, of art right here. Um, here's, here's a little stack of them. Um, here's the first and second and third appearance of, of an, uh, an enemy known as Carnage, and he's so scary, rawr, right? But, and in, in really good condition, some of these are... 50 and $100 bills right here. That's kind of cool, right? <laughs> like, I, I love my collection, and uh, I, I enjoy finding these little, uh, these little stories. And, and now, these comic books can, can be expensive. But to illustrate the value of grace today, I think it is more important than these comics. 
And I mean, I treat my comics like they're important. I painstakingly seal them, categorize them. I, in the boxes where I store them, I stagger them one facing the other so that it doesn't put pressure on the spine. And then I bag and board them with uh, heat and light-resistant cardboard and uh, a plastic overlay. And, and they um, are protected from your fingerprints like I, I tape them up and I box them away and I look at them from time to time where, I, where I'm feeling particularly nostalgic for remembering the comic books of my childhood. But what if someone were to remove one? Ooh, I heard some O's. What if someone were to remove one? Like all the meticulous nature that goes into keeping one of these beautiful. I'm already touching it quite a bit. Oh, the tape got stuck on it. Well, that one's no good anymore. (laughs) Right? What did I just do? This is trash too. Hmm. Now, maybe a couple of you freaked out a little bit that I would desecrate something like that. But, uh, like, the joke's on you. That one was worth nothing. (laughs) These are are the pricier ones. Um, (laughs) Actually, that one was a free comic book day comic. Usually in the early parts of May, they give out free comic book day comics, and um, it's really a counterfeit. It's not worth the paper it's printed on. Um, <laughs> we, we give them out in the, the millions and billions just to entice people into to looking into the stories that comic books uh, may have. But the, the comic book that I tore up, it just like these, just like all of these actually, had Spider-Man on the cover. It had... Spider-Man on the pages. It even contains a little bit of an adventure story. So why are these valuable? And why wasn't that one as valuable? See, these over here contain a critical element to Spider-Man's story, just like I was going back and forth with Ryan there. Oh, that one contains where he got this, and this happened, followed by this. Like, he knows the story because he's read these awesome adventures before. But in the free comic book day ones, they're just a teaser. They're a teaser. These probably cost the reader a couple bucks, but after some time and a little bit of rarity and that story starts to set in, or maybe somebody makes a movie about it, these become worth so much. But those don't. Because they're given away for free. (laughs) And as much as I would love to like uh, be bold enough to actually crumple one of those up just to prove a point or something like that, like I don't, I don't just pass out fifty dollar bills and hundred dollar bills for giggles. Like I don't have giggle money, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, I want to compare that. Let's pretend over here that little pile sitting behind the speaker. It's called blessings. And let's pretend this little pile over here on uh, my chair is called grace. 
I'm going to tell you one more illustration, and then um, I'd like to point us uh, into John chapter 14. So we'll get there in a minute if you want to turn ahead. But I want to tell you the story of my proposal to my wife. I like her a lot. (laughs) She's something special. And I tell you what, actually, I just saw this morning, actually, on, uh, on Facebook, it was the 11 year anniversary of when I posted a picture of us kissing when she said yes after I proposed. So it's like a month after, a little bit more after like I had proposed and I finally got around to putting pictures up and it's the 11 year anniversary of my procrastination. But... <laughs> but it was very fresh to me um, even seeing those pictures this morning. And it was a special time. Um, we, uh, we went out on our anniversary, um, our dating anniversary, November 20th, and I took her down to Indianapolis, and we went to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, okay? You know why I mean business when we put protein on it like that, okay? I take her to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, and we have a stellar meal and just an awesome time, and it was like one of the most adorable things, because as soon as we hop in, um, the, my borrowed, I borrowed from my mom her silver PT cruiser, because that was really cool, um, <laughs> and, and as we're driving back from Indianapolis, I, uh, I look over at her, and it starts to snow, and like they were like the fat snowflakes, and they were so beautiful, and we just start singing Christmas carols, even though it's late November. And um, as we uh, headed back to the house, her, her townhouse at the time, she didn't know this, but I had gotten all of her roommates together, and I had gotten a wad of money, and I had just said, hey, here's the stage you've got to set. I need candles, and I need flowers, and not just any flowers, these specific flowers. They have to be our favorite colors, and they have to be in a vase right here, but then I've got this notebook right here, because that's where the notebook was sitting. You know, that time at Bible camp, when I was like, hey, Brittany, I think I'm going to marry you, and she's like, yeah. And so, so, like, I needed everything to be just right, and I had all these elements but I told her, though, this is, I'm tricky. I'm kind of mean like this. I told her uh, long before that, I will never propose on our anniversary, so you don't have to get your radar up on our anniversaries. You just let them happen, and I'll propose to you when it's time. Now, I had been driving extra slow, not because I wanted to sing more Christmas carols in this picturesque snow, but because it was 1150, 1151. 11.52. I was not going to propose on my anniversary. I was going to propose at midnight. And we walk in, and it blows just a couple of the candles out, but not too bad. And we go in, and she said, what is this? Like 17 times. Okay. And I walk her over to this table, and I show her I tried to show her the little notebook that had the note that I wrote in there, but she didn't look at that. And I I tried to show her, hey, look, look on this table. It was like the one drink you were drinking that one time. We knew we were going to get married. She she ignored that. I I, I just kept going through all these things. Like, like, look at the candle. Okay, well, I guess we're doing this. And so I kneel down and I ask her to marry me. And she said yes. And she ignored all the other stuff. (laughs) 
And that's not to pick on her. That's one of the best examples I can have today. But she did not notice half the things I set up. Or more. And folks, I I have a very good marriage. Of course, you would have to ask her. It's not up to me right now. Um, But I definitely do a lot to serve my wife, like cooking, chores. Um, I got her some super stellar towels for Christmas. Um, You know, the good guy stuff, right? Um, But those are just blessings. They're just blessings. They come with the territory of loving my wife. They're just blessings. She has to put up with me at times, and uh, I mean... Shoot, you heard all of the comic book stuff. I'm a geek. There's plenty to put up with. So here we go, church. I want to see the difference. If we're going to see the value of grace, we've got to distinguish it from blessing. I get hung up on blessing. Like, why did you come to church? Why do you go to church at all? Did you come because you want to feel better about yourself? Not saying that's wrong. Did you come because you wanted people around you that care about you? I'm not saying that's wrong. That's here too. Did you come because it started to pique your curiosity or there's something you want to learn? Not only is that not wrong, y'all are my favorite. <laughs> like I'm, I'm glad that you're here today. Honestly, guys, full disclosure, as a younger person, I offered up my life to Christ at first just because I was scared of hell. And nothing more. That was it. When I was younger in youth group and all of those times, I invested my time and energy in church because I was scared of hell. I needed fire insurance. The end. All of those things are great. All of those things are totally great. But they themselves are not grace, they are an awesome byproduct of grace. But by themselves, they're not grace. Now, I've already been talking a bit about my marriage, but it's uh, really, you know, it's nice that I do chores, and you you guys should see these towels. They're really, really good towels. (laughs) Um, But what if I didn't love her? What if I didn't love my wife? Would all of the towels or chores in the world fix it? I would buy her as many towels as she want, but if I did not have a Christ-like and deep sacrificial love, what's it worth? The blessings you get from church are fine. They are wonderful. But... If we don't grasp the value of grace today, they're just towels and chores without actual love that makes relationships tick. So let's go deeper. I'm going to set the stage for John 14 today. And this may sound familiar. I don't know where uh, Jared disappeared to. This is actually part of the wedding homily I did for the webs. So Jared and Kayla, if you're listening on, you know, (laughs) this will sound very familiar. When it comes to weddings, marriages, culturally during the time of Jesus in first century Roman-occupied Israel, marriage had two stages. There was the betrothal, and it went as follows. 
the father of the groom would offer up the mohar to the father of the bride. The mohar, or dowry, does everybody know what a dowry is? It's like a certain amount of money or gift. I'll give you some Lego language. Uh, It's a certain amount of money or gift that one family gives to another um, to seal the contract of marriage. Okay, And so the father's side would pay the mohar, the dowry, um, to the other family as a contract between two families. Now, some might treat this as an act of purchasing a bride, but it really had nothing to do with just buying a human. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. This act is not an exchange of property, okay? but a recognition of value, of purity, of righteousness. The mohar, more often than not, even included acts of service for the family of the bride to show the bride and her family that they valued her greatly. Once they came to an agreement on the joining of their families, by all legal cultural rights, they were married at that moment. Okay? However, that was simply stage one. They did not saddle up a camel with just married painted on the rear end and ride off into the sunset. That's not how it works. Although that would be hilarious. Um, In stage two, the groom, being fully married already to his bride left immediately and probably with great haste and joy went back to his father's land and he would begin building. He would carve out a section of land on the back of the father's residence and begin building rooms onto his father's home. For days and even weeks, he would prepare and build the perfect home attached to his father's property and household. And on the day he was finally done, the day their house was prepared, he would wash himself And he would dress himself in his absolute finest and lay out all of his best possessions, blessings, and call for the finest drinks and foods he could procure and he would saddle up and return for his beautiful bride. And he would find her as clean and clothed as beautifully as he had ever imagined. And he would lift her up onto his steed and they would carry her to her new home. And after a brief ceremony, They would feast and celebrate that the family was whole. There's a critical reason that Jesus used weddings to describe his work on earth. And his plan to establish his kingdom, he used maidens and lamps and feasts and preparations. And all through the Gospels, he used weddings to clearly define his game plan. When Jesus came to earth, we witnessed phase one. That's the betrothal. He proposed to us outright. Together, let's read John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. He proposed. Jesus proposed. It even goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. On the next passage, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He proposed. Is that beautiful to anybody? Was anybody lonely before you got in here? Jesus proposed. And he lays it all out. You cannot marry an idol and live in God's house. You can't go marry somebody and then pick somebody else's house to live in. It doesn't work that way. And it's that simple. There are millions of lowercase g gods and philosophies. Even blessings that become idols. Self-help, conspiracy theories. But there's only one God in all of that that offers grace. Only one of them makes such a proposal. The church is the bride of Christ. He has proposed, Jesus proposed, and his father loved this bride, the church, all the church, so deeply that he paid the ultimate dowry, the ultimate mohar for all of you. The church. He paid the mohar, the life of his son, and said to the bride, this is how much I value you. What a romance is that? That with dowry paid, the son of God rushed to the heavens, and as we speak, Jesus himself is building rooms. This paying of the mohar, the dowry, redeems us from death. It saves us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. This is a lengthier passage, but if we could get that up as well. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. Revelation tells us one day with our eternal home and our Father's house prepared and ready, Jesus will mount his steed and return to take home a spotless bride. So let me ask you the question again. Why'd you come to church? I hope it's because of all the cool blessings that I mentioned before. But this is why the church is here. This is why this is all so valuable. This is why it exists to begin with. This is why we worship. This is why we sing. That when our sin, 
our dirtiness would be confronted with God's holiness, we would be utterly obliterated with no exceptions. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But God spent, spent, not just sent, but spent his son as our dowry. And now you are worth Jesus to God because of Jesus. That is grace. None of my works or yours can obtain this. And blessings, though great, are a fruitless pursuit next to this. You can chase after blessing your whole life and get nowhere. Because we don't, we don't deserve it. I mess up. Paul Washer once said, if you want to follow Jesus because he'll fix your marriage, and if you want to follow Jesus because he'll give you a better life, that's idolatry. Follow Christ for the sake of Christ. Because he's worthy. To paraphrase Bonhoeffer, you see, folks, grace is expensively free. To go back to the comics, grace contains all of the critical elements that would reconcile the story to make everything right. God has everything made right, and he passes it out freely to everyone. Everything that would make it valuable, handed out for free. God is passing out the pricey, rare copies for free. Grace is as much a mulligan as it is a marriage proposal. When Lenny shared this mulligan concept, the do-over concept, if I come to God, you're saying, I can start over? And he goes, will you? And we could say, I do. (laughs) How bad does God want us? And how incredibly valuable is that unearned favor that costs God everything and costs you nothing? The proposal has been made. Have you ever said yes? When I proposed to my wife with tears streaming down her face, she didn't just say yes. She said, yes, of course, yes. Are you walking in this relationship with Jesus looking for the flowers and the candy and the idols of your ministry and whatever else, whatever blessings you've made it? Do you think you can make it to eternity by marrying another mindset, some other God or guru? Well, the priceless proposal of the authentic grace of God is offered to you for free. This infinitely valuable grace is passed out for free. A marriage proposal from an unfailing groom with a ring marked take one. I'm going to read one more passage of scripture and then I'll invite our worship team back up here to um, give us some background as we uh, spend some time in prayer. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7 says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy. Ooh, that sounds like me. I better keep going. 
hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to hope of eternal life. So I'll invite the uh, worship team back up. Um, I don't want to speak church in ease this whole time. Um, I don't want to say a bunch of words that make you walk away scratching going, well, that guy sure likes grace, but I sure don't know what it's all about. Um, But folks, grace is this thing that not only offers you a do-over, but he is pouring out the love of that do-over on you so relentlessly. And you may not understand every little part about it, but maybe you saw at the beginning in our passages, or maybe you saw in his proposal, or maybe you saw yourself in somebody who walked in those other passages as lost or, or, or confused or hurt in some way. Because I've been there. I've been hurt, and I've just been banking on blessings to get me out of hurt. But submitting to his grace is as easily, easily done as recognizing the value of it and saying, I need that. He's pulled on my heart enough to say, I, I need that. If you don't understand it, that's fine. That's great. I'm glad you're curious enough. Put it on a note card or, or ask us after service. Like, I'll, I'll be here till next week without moving. Like, we could set up cots in here if that's what it takes to, to figure out how to illustrate grace because I can't do it just all on my own. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that articulate. But what I can tell you is that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die so that your sins can be forgotten and so that when he looks at you, he sees Jesus, the groom to the bride, and you get to spend eternity with him. And if it sounds weird or flowery again, ask every question in the book. I'll be right there but we're going to have the worship team sing a song. And the offering for you is that if something is just stirring in your heart, if you've gone, I've been banking on blessings rather than just accepting that God is good and his, his will is good and his plans are good, I just need grace. I have, I've never just said, I, I need you, God. I've said, I need help with my marriage. I've needed help with my finances. But you've never just said, I just need a God that rescues me then the altar's open and there's nothing magical about an altar. That's folk magic if you think there's a difference between that space and where you're sitting. But there is something especially important about having the fortitude to walk up and say, I'm glad to be exposed because I just want to love him. I just want to be okay. I just want to be whole because grace is the only thing that can save me. I get it.
so the altar's open while they do that song. You can sing along if you know the words, but if you don't, or you just want to come up here and pray, great. But I'll hand it off to them and I'll be back up to